Canuck Central Friday. What's happening? It's a mailbag Friday. Final chance to get some questions in for myself, Dan Richo, and Satyar Shaw. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. A lot of Canucks content coming up. Canucks are taking on the Leafs tomorrow. Gord Stellick will join us in Hour 2 of the program. Uh, Hour 3 is, of course, blocked off for the mailbag. And uh, in this opening hour, we'll have Yannick Hansen joining us a little bit later on. And we'll talk extensively about Elias Pettersson and where he's headed. Sportsnet 650's Canuck Central is presented by your local Grip Auto entire location. Friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at gripauto.ca today. So, we were going to talk about Pettersson regardless today, Sat. Yeah. But, as we often, um, just to give people a little peek behind the curtain. Let's peel that curtain back a bit. So, we have a group chat. Mm-hmm. Right, that we'll converse through uh, as the days go on. Uh, banter, uh, chirps, uh, definitely happen. Uh, chirps for the people show behind their back, always happening. We're constantly talking behind <laughs> people's backs. <laughs> but um, for the most part, the main use of the group chat is to discuss show topics mm-hmm. and plan things out. Uh, when we have a thought, we'll throw it by the group and talk it out a little bit uh and often we'll do that and then boudreaux will speak either to vancouver media or somewhere else and it's like oh guess we got a new uh new lead for today <laughs> well and and the thing i love about boudreaux is not just his honesty and i guess it all does come back to honesty but just his directness yes you know it's one thing to be honest but he's just so direct about it like he doesn't you know it's funny i saw this tiktok the other day and it was about like uh you know, it was kind of it was kind of funny, but it's also how do you tell somebody at work to leave me alone? And then there's yes. a certain way you can say it that's nice and professional yep, or yep. whatever, but it gets the message across. Not that way. With <laughs> it's like nah, we're good, we're bad. This guy sucks. He's good. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, this guy's playing with third liners. What are you, what are you gonna say? It, it is um, refreshing, shocking to hear at times too, because. Um, Coaches will always, uh, it seems, uh, withhold a little bit. You know, I don't yeah. think that's really breaking any state secrets. But Boudreaux, and hey, maybe he's getting up there in age and he's just uh, lost the filter a little bit. But he's been very honest. And I, you know, of course, here in the media, we appreciate that from a coach when they are honest. But it is startling to hear when a coach is like, talking about his team on Toronto radio and is then just like, yeah, but you know, the, the Leafs are way better than us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're just, it's, it's, it's a different class. Yeah. You know, maybe if we get off to a lead and get us some saves, like we yeah. did last time we can win, but you know, they're way better than us. Like he, he doesn't try to lie about anything. And maybe part of it is his age and been, haven't been around a long time, or maybe it's what you mentioned to me before and full disclosure. Um, you shared the video with, with us in the group yeah. chat and I watched it when I got into the station and we were just kind of sitting back here and watching it. And you're like, is he dishonest because he knows he's not coming back next season or something? <laughs> like, is that what's going on? Or is that just Bruce Boudreaux? And he's always been an honest guy. And yeah. I asked you and I'm like, 
was he always like this elsewhere? Like this direct and, yeah. you know, about stuff? And we can't say for sure because we weren't there day in and day out and, and go through every single one of his words and parse all the yeah. lines in every single post and pregame interview. But I, w- I, will not, uh, I will not fabricate anything here. Uh, I, I did not watch a lot of Bruce Boudreaux's news conferences <laughs> when he was with the Minnesota Wilds or the Anaheim Ducks. Or the Washington Capitals. Like, you'd see when the like certain ones went viral, if there yeah. was a big moment. And, you know, uh, working in Toronto, you know, Bruce would join um, Bob McCowan often on primetime sports. So you, you'd hear from Bruce more often than others, and you could tell he was more honest and more mm-hmm. open than most coaches around the league. But it's still startling to hear the way he is with this group in the here and now. And again, I do appreciate it. And Hey, um, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, not everybody likes to hear that from their coach. Maybe they'd prefer, you know, a lot of times when you talk to players, they just prefer things be kept internal. They can deal with criticism when it's happening, but they don't like when that stuff ends up in the media. And you've heard, uh, Elliot Friedman talk about how Kevin Bieksa puts it. And it's just, you know, once the coach says it, then it gives, you know, it, it opens the door for every fan to say it because, hey, the coach has said it out in the open. Exactly. So there's, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, not to get all Marvel movie, where yeah. great, great power comes great responsibility and that sort of thing. But when you are a voice and you are an, a, an authority on a team and you are essentially the decision maker on who plays with whom and how a team's going to operate, when you say things... People are going to hold it, yeah. n- not against you, but they're going to... They'll remember it. They're going to remember it, and they're going to apply it, like you mentioned. And we, what, have we, what have we said so much about um, Connor Garland and Niels Hoaglander? And sometimes you know, fans get upset that we're talking about Niels Hoaglander, and we're like, well, it's not so much about us wanting to talk Hoaglander. Yes, it is a topic we want to talk about, but it's something that the coach himself is continually pointing out. The coach himself is continually stressing. So you start digging into why is a coach stressing these things? You start digging through it. And one of the things that we've talked so much about the past, you know, really a couple months now since Boudreaux was hired, and when he's talked about guys like Connor Garland, how does he view Connor Garland? Mm -hmm. Does he really view Connor Garland as a top six player, a front line player? Because we saw what he played like the first 25 games of the season. We're very high on his game and his ability. But does it seem like Coach Boudreaux is as high on Garland as, say, we were when he originally got here? It uh, definitely doesn't seem that way. Now, he was uh, praising Garland uh, yesterday, pointed out like, hey, Garland, you know, he's not the biggest guy, but he's really great on the forecheck and will win pucks and do some good things. He's a puck possession guy. So he pointed out a lot of the things that make Connor Garland a valuable player. But I think the discrepancy may be, does this organization, does this group, feel like Garland is um, essentially worth the contract he was given by the previous regime. And that's kind of coming down to, uh, I think, the decision on Garland and why he is uh, in trade rumors rather than a guy like, hey, we're really happy with this contract and we want to keep this guy. Yeah, And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that they don't want to keep him. It's just, you know, you wonder why his name has been so frequent in the rumor mill. So we'll get to that. And he did have a pretty interesting note when he was talking about Elias Pettersson on the Kipper and Bourne show on Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan in Toronto. But uh, he was asked about Elias Pettersson, 
We'll get to that. But he did have an honest assessment of the group as a whole. Yeah. And the question from Justin Bourne was, how is this group different? How is this group unique from teams you have coached in the past, whether it was Minnesota, Anaheim, Washington, whomever. And uh, here is how Bruce Boudreaux responded earlier today on Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Well, they're, they're, they're really quiet, and there is no real um, uh, bona fide superstar. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, right now, I mean, Quinn Hughes is going to be um, in, in, in time if he's not already, but he's such a quiet just a hockey guy. He wants to, he wants to know the stats of everybody else and everything else. I mean, um, JT, uh, has just, you know, been a hardworking guy that was always a good piece. He was like a third line guy in Tampa. Um, now he's, you know, one of the better players on Vancouver, which was never like a team like Tampa type thing. And he was just a, a piece on the Rangers team. Um, so you can't really call him a superstar, even though he does everything, you know, you would like a superstar to do. Um, so, I mean, they're all like, nobody is in the clouds above anybody else. Everybody sort of is to get in together, sort of in the same, same, uh, 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 same boat, sort of speak. So, I mean, uh, in, in that respect, it's different. I don't have a Getzlaff. I don't have a, a Parisi. I don't have a, a Oveskin or Backstrom in their prime. Um, so it's like everybody just comes to work, and and it's uh, they're they're young, and uh, they just they just try hard. Like, and that's why sometimes we have such um, big uh, discrepancies in in the games where we can lose seven two to Jersey uh, after finishing beating um, the Rangers and Calgary in back-to-back games. I mean, go figure. I mean, the the consistency isn't always there yet, but uh, I know the care is always there. So that is Bruce Boudreaux uh, once again praising the care and the effort of the team. But notes, they're young. Yes. (laughs) Um, And they're quiet. Now, we can ask Yannick Hansen about this and how a leadership group forms and what makes a good leadership group. Of course, uh, him being a part of those great Canucks teams through the early 2010s, uh, we'll have some insight on it, and we'll do that later in the hour. But it is kind of been one of the big conversations over the last few weeks at with the ugly losses around you know the pretty consistent form of like winning quite a few games, Mm -hmm. including last night. But there's a a lot of questions about the leadership group of this team. You heard the setting the standard clip from Miller last week. And now Boudreaux comes and says, they're quiet. Should we read too much into that? How should we read into that? Because maybe it's a little confirmation bias. You just wonder how this leadership group is still forming and Mm -hmm. still trying to figure itself out. It comes down to presence to some degree, right? Because one of the things Patrick Alvin talked about was we don't have a Sidney Crosby or a captain like Sidney Crosby who's setting that standard every single day, who comes in and is kind of the standard bearer and a setter. And when 
your best players aren't there yet, whether it's maturity, whether it is a, you know, just uh, development and a guy like Quinn Hughes, for instance, just not being that vocal type of guy or even being the type of guy that, you know, guys follow in that sense. And Pedersen is a guy that is still working through a lot of those sort of things. And as good as Bo Horvat can be in the role he plays, when you're not one of the top three or four best players on the team, that's kind of what Boudreaux is getting at. Because when you have superstars who show up every single day with professionalism, prepared, and they work hard and they set that standard, everybody else falls in line. But if it's not your absolute best players, it's harder for that to kind of carry through. And that's the presence that's lacking. That doesn't mean it can't happen, but it's not there yet. And as good as JT Miller is, and he talks about JT a lot. It's clear he likes JT Miller, but he stops short of calling him a superstar player. Yeah. And he did leave out Elias Pettersson in the clip as well, which we'll get to. But Pettersson, he does talk about Pettersson in a follow-up question. But Pettersson and Hughes, if we're going with them as the franchise cornerstones, they're very young. They are quiet. Yes. You know, they're not going to be rah-rah guys, and that doesn't mean you have to be to be a good leader. I mean, it's not like Daniel and Henrik Sedin were the biggest rah-rah types, and maybe they were a little bit more in the room, but, you know, even you hear the stories, and even there, it was more lead-by-example type of guys than anything else. But a very high level of professionalism, preparation, and and they had a high expectation of themselves, and they held themselves accountable. They set the standard, so to speak. Yeah. And maybe, it's not to say that Pedersen doesn't work hard or Hughes doesn't work hard, but it might just take them some time to get there and set that standard Mm -hmm. so the rest of the group kind of falls in line. But you'll also need the Bieksa types and the Kesslers and the the others that will be more vocal and will, you know, bring the group along in a more rah-rah type of way. And I think that's part of the process of a leadership group growing. Mm-hmm. And maybe something they lost when Daniel and Henrik retired was that standard that was in place. It's nice you bring in Jay Beagle to help, you know, set the fitness bar and, and all those types of things, but he's a fourth-line center, yeah. you know? How, how how much is he really going to set that standard? And then Tanev and Markstrom leave as well, and they were, you know, two of those set-the-standard types as well. So it, it's just it's, – it's really felt like there's been that void ever since those specific players – have left and I don't, I don't know how you fill it other than time and people just growing into those roles I think for those guys yes unless you're able to acquire somebody else right or you make a deal or something but for that to happen that's simply going to be time for Pedersen yeah. and Hughes right and if they even get to that level now Hughes the way he's shown but can they get to that you know next level and that, and I think they can and if they do then they'll get there. Like even the Sedins, I mean, it's not like they became uh, the real leader, leaders of that team until their 30s, essentially. Yeah. There was late, you know, I think it was their 30. I think Henrik was 30 when he was handed the captaincy. And they were still the leaders of the team when Luongo had the captaincy, despite it not being the crest being on his jersey, so to speak. But still everybody kind of knew behind the scenes, it was Henrik and Down that showed up still every day. And the thing here is, and I know people text into about 
the captaincy itself. I don't think that it matters as much. Like I'm, 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 I'm honestly not worried about Bo being the captain. I've been critical of Bo. I've talked a lot about Bo, and you know, there's a lot of things about his game that I, I've critiqued. But I've also said he meets a baseline as a second line center. They're hard to find, and I understand keeping him if that's the choice they make long term here. Like I, I, I get it. But the thing though is. People get so caught up with a C at all times. Now, when you are the captain, there are big, bigger expectations, and I think you should be held to a high standard, and all those things kind of come with the responsibility of being the captain. But as far as leadership groups go, it has to go beyond your captain. Mm-hmm. Unless you have a superstar, like we mentioned, who is clearly captain material, and you slap that on his jersey, and he sets the standard. But even if he was here and wasn't the captain and wore an A, he'd still be able to set that standard. It's not like the players sit here and say, oh, the captain's... Not who I want it to be, so I'm not going to follow anybody. I mean, you can still set the standard by being another leader in the team. You mentioned guys like Bieksa, but even a higher-end guy. So I don't worry about the C so much with Bo. With Bo, it's more about the game itself. Yeah, You know, how much better can you get? How much more consistent can you get? What else can you add to your game? Those are the conversations I have about Bo. As far as his leadership goes, I point out the fact that he's not a rah-rah leader because people expect Bo to be something he's not. And that's what I always go back to. It's like Bo is not who people think or want him to be sometimes. But that doesn't mean he can't be effective here. But that also means around him and beyond him, that group has to still come together. You know, Bo is, you know, it's one thing to be, uh, he's a good person. He does a lot of the things you would like him to do. He's a good face of the franchise. He says the right things, does the right things in a lot of different ways, but you know, you do have the very uh, big reality that he's not going to be the top player on this team and that maybe he is uh, topped out potential wise. So there are those question marks. Now in that clip, you heard Boudreaux talk about Quinn Hughes as a superstar. He mentions JT Miller as well and how he's come along and, really become a big part of this team and is their best forward right now. But in a news conference earlier this week, he mentioned Pedersen is the team's second best offensive forward. And in a follow-up today from Justin Bourne, was asked if Pedersen can get to that superstar status still and where he's currently at. Here's Bruce Boudreaux. I put him with uh, all the third line guys for the most of the part and he makes them better and that's the biggest thing i mean he, he's not uh austin getting a chance to play with mitch type thing uh he's he, you know he's his line mates are um garland and hoglander and i mean it's a, but he he's such a great passer and stick handler and when he's playing on it and he's got such a great shot when he's on his game he makes everybody better around him and so i think there's the possibility that that could happen at at some point i mean he's still a pretty young guy and and last year was sort of a lost year for him due to injuries but i mean i think i think it could get there i think it could get there part of me is like we can break this down from petterson but there's also like the big Hoaglander and Garland are third liners line that uh, speaks quite a bit as well, Sat. Yeah, and you know that's kind of what we were we were alluding to earlier uh, in the conversation. We started talking about Bruce Boudreaux's honesty and how yeah. it's so direct. And 
you know, I guess you can parse it a little bit and said mostly with third liners and say maybe technically he's not talking about Garland in that sense, but it doesn't lie, man. Look at the minutes. Yeah. Look at the role, right, that he's played since since he's been here. He's essentially playing middle six minutes, right? And and I think when Boudreaux talks about, you know, a third liner, I think he's talking about guys who are middle six players. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he means it in a, in a negative sense. I think he means guys that can kind of play up and down a little bit and are good and helpful, but they're just not drivers. They're just not bona fide top six guys. And the question around Garland we had was, does he view Garland like that or not? And based on that comment, you can kind of read into it that he kind of views Garland as a middle six guy, right? And there's a lot of things about his game that he likes. And for Hoaglander, one of the things that Boudreaux has said in the past is that he can still get better. He can still score more goals. He has to get there. But right now, he's not. And right now, you're a third-line player, right? And for him, there's some time for that to get figured out. For Garland, that's the one I keep going back to. What kind of question does this pose? And what does this mean for this player, not only in, in his eyes, but also in management's eyes? Uh, Connor Garland is um, fourth in average time on ice since Bruce Boudreaux took over with the Vancouver Canucks. And look, how many how many uh, coaches would categorize the guy who scores at the highest rate at five on five as a third liner? I don't know. Like, that's, that's where the, well, the gap it, is with... You, you know what it is? It's also it's not just from production. Yes, because production wise, yeah. you're right. I mean, that's what we see and say. But I think he views it as functionality. Right. And if I'm building this out long term, you know, we we have these you know long term, short term combos yeah. here, and we mix them in all the time. That's I think the way that's the lens he's viewing it through. Not that right now is giving me that production, but I don't think this is a, an, a, an actual top six guy. It's uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. This is Canuck Central. Joining us now is Matt Lee of BCLC. What's happening, Matt? How are you doing this week? I'm doing all right, guys. Uh, we're getting closer to the trade deadline, so things are getting busy on PlayNow.com for sure. Oh, well, okay. Let's let's start there because we were just talking about Connor Garland. Um, if we were to do, like, hypothetical set the odds on likeliest Canucks trade candidates, yeah, where would Connor Garland be on the odds spectrum? So if you have a group, let's say, of likeliest, can we say Tyler Mott is the likeliest to be traded before the deadline? I, I'd say that is very accurate. Yep. Uh, because that's what we have right now on playnow.com. The odds of Tyler Mott being moved before the trade deadline is 1.65. Ooh. Carter Garland on the yes for a trade is at 3.0. Okay. Which is slightly less than JT Miller and Brock Besser's 3.5. Mm. All right. Would we agree with that so far, or are we are we sort of feeling good about that? I think you guys are right on the money. I'd say. Yarrow Halak one point nine, Niels Hoglander at three point five. By the way, for those uh, counting at home. So that's you know, it's interesting because and, and we've talked about it for a while on the show. Like Tyler Mott, you know, given his UFA status, is is most likely to go. So that's the way the odds say it as well um mm-hmm. as for tomorrow canucks and leafs uh how, how big of a dog are the canucks going into tomorrow night's game in toronto yeah as far as underdogs go for the canucks on the money line this year this one is going to be right up there uh, in terms of what their chances are they're at 3.0 compared to the leafs who are at 1.4 and let's not dismiss the fact that toronto is a very good home team they're 19 6 and 1 at home so in terms of how tomorrow afternoon's you know rubber match is looking, 
the Canucks are definitely mm-hmm. going to be the underdog going into it. Well, and, you know, this road trip has already uh, become a push for them, having won two games. If they get anything out of this game coming up this weekend, all of a sudden those playoff numbers, the odds can look a bit different. And we talked about this last week, right, Matt? And I think the odds were 7-1 to one, uh, for the Canucks to make the playoffs at that point. And we said, hey, this might be the time to jump on some pretty good juice because um, those playoff odds are looking slightly better for the Canucks, aren't they? Yeah, and uh, that's certainly been a roller coaster week for their odds. You mentioned seven to one coming into this week. They fell back down towards the norm around uh, seven to one again after that blowout loss to New Jersey on Thursday, and now they've fallen back to five point zero after their win yesterday against the Islanders. And that odds of five point zero, it's the highest they've been since January. So there's still a lot of ground for this club to make up, but don't slam the door shut on their playoff odds just yet. Yeah, because, I mean, when you look at what's going on around the league here, too, some of these other teams may kind of fall apart a little bit. Like, for instance, if you're trying to have fun, too, and enjoy these games and get into this playoff rush, you can watch out-of-town games. And on the weekend now, I mean, I mean tonight, the matchup between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Anaheim Ducks, I mean, this game has massive implications for the Vancouver Canucks tonight. Oh, the Canucks are definitely scoreboard watching this one tonight, and it is a a battle of Pacific Division rivals and teams that the Canucks are very much chasing in the standings right now. And the Ducks are actually the underdogs on the money line, despite being at home against the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights are at 1.83 on the money line, the Ducks at 2.0. So it's as close to a pick-em, really, as it gets. And the Vegas Golden Knights are a team that has certainly been underperforming over the last week, even with Jack Eichel donning the Golden Knights uniform. But uh, the Anaheim Ducks, still the underdogs going in. Matt, before we let you go, we got to shout you out for the uh, the Tyler Myers. It happened, you know? Oh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I, I'm listening to the game broadcast, the first intermission on the way to a family thing, and I hear you guys talking about how someone cashed in on the Tyler Myers anytime <laughs> goal. Could not believe it. It was poetic justice after we talked about it last Friday. 100%. Uh, BCLC, playnow.com. Matt Lee joins us every single week. Thanks for this, Matt. Thanks, guys. Uh, there is uh, Matt Lee of BCLC. That's all we do. We, we, like, you know, we give what Michael, Mike Singletary always wanted. Yeah. He wanted winners. We give winners. We, that's what we do. We're here to give you winners. And be a player, bet on hockey like never before on Play Now Sports, your local BC sports book. Uh, coming up. Yannick Hansen is next on Canuck Central. It's Canuck Central. Dan Riccio, Satyar Shah. We are presented by your local Grip Auto entire location. Friendly service and expert advice are waiting for you at gripauto.ca today. Yannick Hansen is going to join us uh, in a couple of moments here on Canuck Central. But the conversation we were having around Bruce Boudreaux and his honesty in the media. It seems like a few of our listeners, those that are listening live and reacting with the show, you know, we love the honesty, but 
Even some of our listeners are like, eh, maybe Bruce is too honest sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the sense. Uh, Amar on Twitter has been yep. kind of mentioning that. He's like, does he want to coach the Leafs? So that's one <laughs> comment he made. And he kind of thinks, he calling Parisi superstars, like, come on, and stuff like that. But um, Dan and Van says, we're breaking down each word, and we're, we're reading too much into what he's saying. But most of reaction, mm-mm. Yeah. They're like, um, I don't know. And it is interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll get more into it uh, from the Garland aspect uh, coming up in hour two of the show. But there is, you know, there, there's this feeling I have right now of Elias Pettersson kind of coming back to form. Mm-hmm. And Boudreaux is seeing it, starting to see it. And I think everybody's starting to see it. But you're kind of at a point where you want to see it a lot more and probably all the way through the end of the season before really committing to Elias Pettersson is back and is back to on back to being on track as one of the top centermen in the NHL, but not there yet. Let's bring in our next guest. This insider is brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. It's Yannick Hansen joins us every Friday on Canuck Central. What's happening, Yannick? Not too much. I don't know about insider. Uh, I'm not at the ring. I'm not <laughs> at the dressing room. I got no, I got the same feed as you guys do. I, I watch the sports net and, uh, and the, the television. That's about it. So, so insider might be, uh, might be a little bit a tad too much. You're too humble, Yannick. You're too humble. It's because you played in the NHL. You're considered an, an insider for life. Okay, I see. Then it makes a little more sense. <laughs> Over 600 games in the show, you, you get you get to be an insider just uh, just on that. Uh, it's Yannick Hansen uh, joining us here on uh, Canuck Central. So uh, we we've talked so much about Elias Patterson and and where he's at, and you know he is playing a lot better as Bruce Boudreaux put it in an interview with Toronto radio today. You know, he doesn't get to play with superstars. He plays with third liners, uh, Hoaglander and Connor Garland. Does that speak to Elias Pettersson, you know, and how he's coming, finally coming out of his slump, even though he's not playing with the stars he was playing with a couple of years ago in Miller and, and Besser. Yeah, of course. Uh, as you as you progress in the beginning of the season, he got fed all that ice time. He got the line mates he mm-hmm. he wanted, and all of those things. But they weren't producing. They weren't performing. And then again, you start getting dropped down the lineup. Um, but going back to that, like he is, he has to be the number one center here. He is the big question mark for me on this team. You have a, an elite goaltender. You have a number one defenseman. I would love for Elias Pettersson to be our number one center. And then let's see where everything else falls after him. Cause he has so many intangibles that JT Miller is the engine on this team right now. There's no question he's producing, he's performing, he's doing all the things. Um, but he does not have the qualities and the skills and the abilities that, that Pettersson have. That's why he's so tantalizing. That's why we're waiting for him to, to step out of, the funk he was in and come in and provide uh, that extra step to this team that will hopefully take them over the hump to where they're an average team to where they're a great team again he's going to need help but again your best players do need to be at their best what do you think as far as the trajectory for Elias Pettersson is concerned and where he might get you mentioned they need him to become the superstar what is your level of confidence that he can get there ultimately 
the, the, I, I have all the confidence in him. I've seen it, and even when he's not performing here over the last uh, little bit, there, there's still tits and bits here where you see, okay, he's he's better than the other players out there. Um, again, he's not getting any help right now. He does not have the the line mates um, that'll push him as well and get him to the positions. He'll have to earn that again. Um, he's a little more insulated than you'd probably like him to be for a number one center. But again, he, he's a young kid. He, he has to earn it again, if you will. New coach, new management. You're not just going to get the keys and say, here you go. No, he's He's been in a little bit of a, of a valley and he's climbing his way up and, and hopefully some more good games and again, uh, get some consistency in his line mates and, and he can turn it around to become the player he was a couple of years ago when we were all in, in awe with what he was doing on a nightly basis. Because again, that is mm-hmm. what we're hoping for. That's what the Canucks are hoping for. Uh, that That's what will drive this team at the end. If he is the player he is now well it's a whole nother conversation mm-hmm. we're not we're not talking about okay are these guys on the step and we need to add some pieces around no we need to go out and add another number one center then and, and that's a whole lot harder than hopefully getting him back to where he was because i'm sure he hasn't mm-hmm. forgotten to play the way and like i said we've seen it uh, his shot has come through a little bit more now he's starting to pick the corners um so again, he, he, there's a lot of positives around him right now. Uh, hopefully, it continues in in the right direction. Um, they could certainly need it down the stretch here. Yeah, no question about that. And and as far as his line mates are concerned, and you know who who he can play with, and ultimately there, there's a, there is a question about long term what's the best fit uh, next to him here on this team. But what do you make of Connor Garland? Do you view him as, as a legitimate top six guy, or is he more of a middle six guy like Bruce was kind of alluding to? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's a number one or two winger, but but he's definitely in that that step right behind. I wouldn't put him on the third line either. I I love him as the your third or fourth best winger kind of step. Um, you saw it yesterday um, when he sets up Herglander. That's a player who can make something happen for himself for his line mates, and that is essentially what you want with Petey. You want somebody he can play with. You're not going to get two guys who's six million dollar players on either side of the wing. That doesn't happen. Um, there's not enough money to go around. So normally you, you tend to have two expensive guys and then they got to kind of get the third guy along and find some click. You see it a lot of places. Um, Hyman was the guy uh, for, for a while in Toronto. Now it's, it, it's Bunton who's stepping in with Matthews and Marner. Um, Perry and Getzlap, when I was playing, they always had somebody on their line as well, making it work. Uh, Hang and Danny, uh, again, making it work with somebody. That's kind of the, the, the way you have to do it. So find somebody that, PD can click with um, that can make things happen and be a force out there as well so he doesn't have to do them by himself and then let those two um, pull along somebody because they are good enough should be good enough to kind of carry the load carry the weight and then again you're going to get a little bit less of player on on the on the third wing there but but I can live with that if you have the other two that are that are driving the play um Garland, you know, he he leads the team in um, not total shots, but, uh, you know, when he's on the ice, he does find a way to get a lot of shots off. His uh, shots per 60 minutes on the ice leads the team by a a comfortable margin. But sometimes he's he's just, you know, finding a way to get a shot on net, whether it's from a crazy angle or whatever. How do you feel about players taking a ton of shots and maybe, you know, sacrificing quality in favor of quantity? 
Yeah, I think that's uh, what do they call it. That's Corsi's fault right there. Um, once that started coming in, uh, you started seeing players paying attention to it a little bit. And a lot of pucks were being thrown at the net, towards the net, just to kind of boost that a little bit. Um, Garland has had some success with these uh, crazy angle shots, um, so, so I wouldn't take anything away from it. But he doesn't strike me as a guy who's just throwing pucks at the net for the sake of throwing it. It, it seems like he's doing it with a purpose, so I, I can live with that, no question. Well, as far as uh, Hoaglander is concerned, too, I, I thought the last game he had was probably one of the better games he's had. Do you think he can become more than a third-line player? Uh, he does have the skill and he has the tenacity. Um, he has the he has that kind of um, uh, the element that other players love to play with because he will work his tail off. He will get pucks back for you. He will back check. He will do all these little things that the little more lazier skilled guys don't want to be doing. They don't want to waste their energy chasing around forechecking. So having a guy like that who can do that and contribute offensively is a huge plus. So Huglana has ton of potential uh, i know we've been after him here for the last little bit uh, rightfully so but, but by no means is he a player they, they should think about getting rid of like he has so much potential he needs some some honing some uh, direction um and then he can turn into a very impactful player the type of player that you add to other two superstars if you will and hopefully he will just fall in and, and click with them it, it, but again, the versatility. Um, again, get him, get him playing some uh, some defensive as well. Get him peaking, if if you will. Um, learn that aspect of the game to kind of round it out and and again keep his minute at a at a at a number a little bit higher than ten. Because again, it's very hard to be effective offensively if you're cold when you come out of the ice. The, the, the hands of stone or cold hands, it's its no joke. If you don't feel the puck when you're coming on the ice, it, it doesn't feel smooth. It's bouncing on you. So again, a way for to get these uh, middle forwards, bottom line forwards, some more ice time is through the penalty kill. So you're on the ice on a regular basis. You might not have to touch the puck, but you're still out there. So then when you do get the chance with your quality alignments you're going to put it in the back of the net because you you're warm you're in the game you feel like you're you're right there and a cancer our guest so you know, bruce uh, he, he calls garland and hoaglander third liners he's very honest when he speaks to the media yannick you know even yesterday uh, in his pregame availability he's like uh, why, why is the team having trouble breaking out and uh, you know the quote was well i can't teach them how to pass um some sometimes it's like uh, startling to hear how honest Bruce Boudreaux can be. Do you think, like, how, how do players react when a coach is as honest as Bruce Boudreaux is with the media? Uh, you shrug off everything that is being said in the media. It, it's one thing. It's another thing what's said behind closed door. And if I wasn't inside, I'd know what he was saying. But but again, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where um, a lot of things get said in the media and you don't buy in too much to it. Uh, a lot of times I wouldn't even see or hear it unless I was being asked about it by reporters themselves. And it's like, oh, well, he's saying whatever. And, and then you kind of brush it off. Unless he comes to me in the dressing room, then, then I know it's something. Like I said, the, the coaches have their way of, of pushing buttons as well. Um, so again, these little tidbits here and there, it, it's 
I wouldn't say it's a mirage, but it's it's more so what goes on behind the the closed doors. That's what uh, that's where the directions are really happening. Right. I mean, and that's ultimately what what always you know players and coaches kind of talk about it. It's more important what happens in the room, just like you mentioned. As far as Bruce himself is concerned, and how he kind of views this team. You know, like he he's essentially said they're not as good as Toronto, which obviously we know they're not. He's talked about them having to be better defensively and, you know, talking about a lot of things that Travis talked about before. When you look at the way he's coaching this team and how he talks about this team, what do you think that says? Yeah, again, he can see the potential because um, we, we never doubted this team's offensive abilities. Um, you have a Quinn Hughes, you have an OEL who's been doing this for a long time. You have a ton of offensive uh, caliber players. So if you found a way to make them play a little bit better defensively, they should win, in essence, more games because their skill will shine through in the other end as well. So find a way to, again, play better defensively. Um, again, not giving up too much offensively. But, but again, it, it's a fine line. And again, you can't change players um players are who they are and, and yeah you can try to teach them but they will always kind of revert back to the type of player they were so again you teach some very skilled guys be a little bit better defensively make some couple uh, different decisions here and there and maybe that's that one goal that that tilts us that we win these games instead of losing them so again it, defense wins there's no question about that uh, you can't you can't expect to go out and score five or six goal every single night it doesn't work um, we've seen it year after year after year these teams they they don't win they always run into somebody who can defend and boom offense gets shut down and you're out um, granted it, it looks great in the regular season and you can have a ton of success um, but you have to find a way and be able to win these tight games when it's called for uh, you have to be able to play both ways so that when it is a blowout, okay, we can win a 7-5 game, but we can also win a 2-1 game. Um, right now, uh, Vancouver want to go, 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 and that's kind of the way they've been playing. Um, so they probably prefer to be in that style of game instead of the tight checking game where there's no offense and you're relying on a tip or a bounce to, to be the winning goal in a 2-1 game. So again, you, you're trying to add some more elements to a team to make them more rounded um, and better equipped for playoffs, which is essentially what we're, we're hoping to get to. We uh, we talked to JT Miller earlier this week. Uh, he we asked him about the the constant trade rumors that are surrounding the team. He called it annoying, but you, you deal with it in a in a Canadian market. Um, how did you feel as a player? How, how do players generally react to? lots of trade rumors or did it ever really get as heavy with you as a player as as it is right now with this Canucks team um it was only really the year that um that I got traded that it was an an option for me if you will um I was never felt like I was in danger of getting traded up until that year um so again Jim called me and said, "Hey, I need your I need your list." Um, so I knew it might be coming. It was probably happening um, because of what happened the year before with the uh, Rivada and, and Ham Hughes not getting moved, and then they left for free. So he he took a lot of heat for that. So he obviously didn't want to see that with Burr and I. Um, so I kind of was expecting it, um, but again, it was it was frustrating because I wanted to stay here. I wanted to be part of the, the solution, not not the, the problem. Uh, 
But again, it, it's out of your hand, and, and it truly is out of your hands. There's nothing you can do about it. You can hope for the best, uh, expect the worst, if you will. Um, that being said, I ended up in a great situation. It didn't work out for whatever reasons. But again, um, it's it's out of your hands. It, the frustrating part is being asked uh, by the media area, or where you think you're going to go, uh, what about this? And th- those are the things that then you all of a sudden have to relate to it, where it's just, white noise otherwise um so i i can see it being annoying if you will but again it, it's part of the game uh, what did you how did you there's been a lot of talk uh, about the trade rumors and the role of fans and media and there's a lot of talk about how uh, you know twitter can be really you know negative especially you know canucks fans and stuff like that at times what did what was your sense of playing in this market as far as media the fan base and how you view it like do you think it was fair or what was it unfair because sometimes you know there's this thought from the fan base fans that think that maybe they are too radical sometimes and it can keep players from wanting to play here what's your view of it of having played so much here yeah, I, I never had any social media or media of, of any kind, so I, I didn't have that. The only interaction I had was with you guys in the dressing room, so I didn't come home and check my phone, and I had 100 messages to, uh, to go hang myself because I missed this or that. So I, I never dealt with that, but I had teammates who, okay, I, I got to delete this because look at this ball and that, that's coming into my phone right now. So it was definitely there. Mm-hmm. It was around, and it, it can be a deterrent. I've played with other guys who's like, look, listen, I, I, why would I want to come here? Look at my life here. It's so much easier. I leave. I can be myself. If I come to Canada, everybody will be after me, heckling me. Um, no reason for that here. I can live in the sunshine, make my money, and my family will be, be left alone no matter how we do on the ice. Um, so it, it can be a deterrent. But again, if you're playing in a Canadian market and you're winning, there, there's nothing better. Um, the, the the fans and the cities behind you is uh, it's something else. It's something you you wouldn't be experiencing in the states. I'm sure of. Yeah, sure. It's it's great when you're in the rink and playing the game. The fans are with you, but you're you're anonymous as soon as you leave the rink. Uh, you might be fourth or fifth on the on the depth chart in terms of sports, depending on what city you're in. So uh, again, it is hard to play in a Canadian market when things aren't going well. Uh, but I, I take that any day for the chance of being able to do well in a Canadian market and then have that feel that I had, that we had when, when we were good. Yeah, and a Canton, our guest. Um, Canucks get the Leafs tomorrow. You got to play against Austin Matthews, I guess, in his in his rookie year. Um, what did you think of him then? Like, He's, he's obviously a Hart Trophy candidate now, um, but what do you think of him as a player? No, you could see it right away. The, the, the speed and skill that they could do these things with it was uh it was amazing to see it's frustrating to play against because i know how i was myself on the ice and they're doing things at a, such a pace they're like uh, yeah maybe i could skate that fast but there, there's no hell and chance that i get the puck with me um so you you see the the skills that that's the number one the abilities um uh the way they're ready to play is another thing. They're coming in as 18, 19 year olds, but you're not you're not pushing them around because they're 210 pounds and, and just as big as you, if not bigger. So it's uh, I was I was amazed at that whole crew that came in there. Uh, him, McDavid, uh, Laine, uh McKinnon, all, all these. When they came in, you were like, holy, this is uh, they're taking it to a whole nother level. Um, and it was it was fun to see. It was fun to be a part of. Um, again, you, you're wishing that you got a chance to play with some of those guys at, at some point. Uh, 
but yeah, it was uh, you were in awe to be honest, because uh, again, I felt like I was quick, I was fast when I played, mm-hmm. um, but but again, they they took it to a whole nother level. Well, and, you know, it's really funny because some of these players, the years they're having, it's unreal. You mentioned how many talented guys the guys there are. And one guy that you did also play against, not a lot, obviously, but Jonathan Huberdeau. And it was, I know you don't have social media, but his agent got really mad at somebody on Twitter for not having him as a hard trophy candidate. And he's been one of the best players in the league. He's one of the top scorers in the league this year. What do you think of Jonathan Huberdeau? I think he's really coming to himself. It helps that Barkov is there. Um he, he, I think he's the Dynamo on that team. Uh, I played with him too his draft year during the lockout in Finland. Uh, I showed up in Finland and I got put on a line with this guy with a cage on who was 17-year-old who barely spoke a lick of English. Uh, <laughs> and first practice, you're the best, best player on the ice. Like, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. Um, and like he, he reminded me of, of Kopita, who I'd seen for, for many years. Uh, and again, the, the skill level uh, on this kid, but again... Hubert obviously came in a little bit before him. Uh, I believe he won the Calder as well. Uh, always right up there. But again, he, it's it's a very, very fun team to watch Florida right now. I think that playoff series they had last year um, against Tampa, I believe, in, in six games, I said that that's the way hockey should be played. It was violent. It was physical. It was skilled hockey. Um, it was so entertaining. Uh, you can get that and we'll doubled at the viewership because it was so entertaining. You were glued to the screen. Um, so again, you, you want to see these kids, these guys at the biggest stage performing. Um, and again, there are a lot of guys around now the league that are entertaining to watch, that are bringing it to a whole nother level. Um, and those are, those are just two of them. Uh, we, we could talk all day, but, but we'll end it here. Uh, Yannick Hansen. 17 points in 20 games with Tampier that year. That was uh, that's pretty good. And you're a point of game player there, Yannick. <laughs> Almost in Europe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit longer. Hey, Yannick. Uh, always appreciate the time. Uh, enjoy the sunshine this weekend. Thank you. Sounds good. Enjoy, guys. Uh, there he is, Yannick Hansen. He's he's the best. Always a pleasure. Like he's he's the best. And you you see the text inbox always light up every single time Yannick Hansen comes on. Uh, Yan Han knows all. That's one that came in. <laughs> um, and Marcus and Gibson's Hansen always on point. Much like the energy he had as a Canuck. Uh, it's always buzzing with uh, Yannick Hansen takes. Some really interesting thoughts there on Garland's um, and also on the media because uh, we did talk a lot about. Bruce Boudreaux and his comments, and we did get some responses. We'll we'll get into that for hour two and really dive more into Elias Pettersson and whether or not he can get to that point where he's back on track to be one of the true elite centermen in the National Hockey League. Is he already there with how he's played over the last month and a bit? We'll get to that next. It is Canuck Central.